Thank you for listening to the Iffy Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Our co-host will be uh, will be out today, unfortunately, but we're going to be talking about how to use social media to become a thought leader and uh, social media thought leadership in general with Jasmine Sandler. Uh, Jasmine is the founder and CEO of JS Media and uh, Agency Online Marketing and is considered by Google, LinkedIn, and other internet marketing organizations as a top B2B digital marketing thought leader. Uh, she's delivered over 200 digital marketing company client plans and 400 plus B2B social media and SEO keynote presentations to corporate and member association audiences. We are thrilled to have Jasmine here with us today. Thanks for coming on, Jasmine. Thank you for having me, Sky. I'm just as excited as you are. I love the B2B audience. Yes. So social media thought leadership. You um, are a, quite a social media thought leader yourself. That's the general topic today. I want to start out a little more about you, though, and about your company so people can get some um, some framework to where we're coming from. Uh, how did you get into B2B marketing? Yeah, that's a good question. So I... I'll just I'll just go back a little bit before I get into my IBM days. But um, when I when I was in school, um, very early on, I kind of fell in love with two things. Uh, interestingly enough, branding and the nature of how business works from a kind of like business partnership perspective. Um, so I when I decided to you know, really launched my career after grad school, I went to IBM. And, you know, I got to tell you that I was trained by the best. Um, So I went to IBM and I, you know, I got a double MBA in in marketing and CIS. Um, But really, I really wanted to understand business. So when I worked for IBM, my role was, you know, um, in the managed data services networking group, which is all of, which is like the very early days, I'm talking EDI, VPNs, pre-public internet stuff, right? Um, and right. My, my role was marketing and developing partnerships for B2B companies to connect together and build audiences, um, both intranet and extranet, as they called it back then. Um, so I've been in it for a very, very long time. And my, my, in what I do today and the types of clients that I work with and audiences that I serve, I like working with people that uh, that are intelligent and think in a detailed way and see big see the big picture. And I just early on decided that those were people in B2B versus B2C. It's, a, it's just a different, it's a different structure. Um, the way that business is done is very different. And it's, as we'll get into today, it's really about relationship development and thought leadership, and um, and that's what I I enjoy about it. Excellent. Now I noticed that uh, I think you'd started a sport and music social media site like way back before Facebook, and and <laughs> yeah. ended up selling it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, so when I left IBM, uh, it was uh, very early on. I think it was the it was early two thousand, <clears throat> and. I, I did very well at IBM and I said, you know what, I, do I want to continue on with this or do I want to go do something on my own? You know, and I, I already had this idea for a social network. And back then it was called an online community. I mean, that, it uh, wasn't called a social network. Thought, yeah. You thought this, this uh, internet thing might be big. Yeah. I thought this internet thing might be big. I also saw this internet thing as a way to bring people together that were enthusiasts. And that was the whole point mm-hmm. behind this social network, which was called Extreme Connections. That was the name of the social network. And it was about enthusiasts. And so we covered 
oh, we covered 30 different ex- kind of action sports and um, and we worked with all these different music partners like, you know, such as like Sony and EMI and Universal and, and worked with um, quite a bit of folks in the world of media as well as kind of general sports manufacturing. And the whole purpose was to develop an audience uh, around their love for these different sports and their loves in music and create a platform um, where they could nurture those relationships through things like promotions and giveaways. So at that time, actually, I was um, fairly young, actually, and I was one of the youngest people to be involved with the Promotion Marketing Association. So um, so yeah, I saw the opportunity really going towards the internet um, as a way to like, as a way from the traditional kind of promotional advertising that had been up to that point. Um, right. And the, These audiences uh, to have a community online kind of, and that's pre MySpace probably. Yeah. Pre X games really being something. Well, that- it was during, yeah, I worked, I ended up working with the guys over at um, ESPN and I worked with um, the action sport tour, which was, I think it was an ABC property. I can't, it was so many years ago. I can't remember mm-hmm. at this moment, but, um, but yeah, that was like in 2000 and t- it was 2000 to about 2004. And then, um, <clears throat> and then after that, you know, I had, I tell people that that is where I, I really feel that I earn my stripes in the world of what I do today because so I, 2004, that's yeah. when Facebook started, I think. Yeah, I think it was. Well, are you telling me you sold your your company to uh, <laughs> to Facebook, and then you 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 got out and sold your company at the same time they were coming in? That's great. Yeah, so you've been in social media. If I was smarter, I would have sold it to them. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so go ahead. I, I was say you've been in social media from the beginning, basically. Yeah. You, since you, know, a, you had an early successful social media company before anything anybody knows, I, I don't know how many people listening uh, even remember MySpace. Um, you know, spoiler alert: they're actually still around. They kept the same name for some reason. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, it has equity, right? So that's what they told me. I met them at an event, and I said, "Yeah, bad equity. I don't know." About that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a big MySpace lover, so. Yep, I loved it until they started. Everything started glittering, and I'd never seen anything else before. <laughs> anyway. And That's it just true. glitter everywhere. You couldn't see anything. Everyone's sparkling and moving. And um, <laughs> I found it quite annoying. Yeah. But so anyway, social media. Now let's connect that to thought leadership. You've been in this in this uh, field for a long time and, and back through to B2B marketing. Um, what was the path? And you've spoke a little bit about IBM and coming through from there and, and, mm-hmm. and finding kind of your love for B2B marketing. Uh, how did that how did you get from there to to where you are today? Yeah. So after the sale of that social network, um, I kind of went out there and started consulting for other agencies. And one of the agencies that I ended up consulting for for a few years was a kind of like SMB type, actually more of a creative shop than anything. And um, I helped them really break into providing their clients with social media strategies and digital marketing programs. Right. And so we ended up doing some work for some um, nonprofits and also su- supporting some local politicians in terms of developing these. This is what I do, right? I do online audience development. And I've been doing it forever. And so um, when, in the process of doing that work, you know, what I constantly came up with was were strategies around igniting the human element, right? Around creating community leaders online, um, about creating content 
that people could kind of circle around because it was important to them. And, um, you know, and that's where I saw this whole, well, I don't even know if I recognized it then, right? But it shaped into what now that I deliver and have seen with a lot of my clients is the opportunity for individuals to brand themselves online and become thought leaders by becoming what I've always called, like I always use this airport analogy, you know, this hub and spoke type of thing, which right. is, you know, like if you look at, you know, um, any airport map, right? I don't know. I guess I'm on planes a lot. Um, there, you know, <laughs> there's like the hub and then there's the spokes around that. And that's what I think of when I think of a thought leader. The thought leader is the man or woman. In this case, I call it social branding, right? Um, that's online that is there to be that thought leader. In other words, that person has committed to a position. That person has committed to that position because there's some value in it, whether it's related to the value of that individual, like in the case of like the work that I do for all these organizations where I, I'm a resource for career, you know, career building, or more importantly, in this case, uh, it's for the individual CEO or managing director or marketing director that wants to be the spokesperson for that company. And so what they're doing is they're building a brand of thought leadership. So in essence, they're becoming an, an influencer around their customers, around their partners, and even their employees. Um, so I don't know if you're interested in the question, but is that, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure we got it in there. Um, yeah. Is that typically when it comes to the thought leadership yeah. and I, I've had this bounce around from a couple different people sure. um, that their company didn't want to build somebody as a thought leader because investing that time and energy in, you know, if they weren't a founder or something like that in a, a marketing director or a VP, um, they would just eventually take all that, that value somewhere else. Um, so they instead would focus on the brand. They wouldn't create any thought leadership. What are your thoughts around, around that? Well, that's a good question. So yeah, there, there is, I guess that companies that tend to not do that, or maybe fear doing that. The, the ones that I've been involved with, um, a lot of times, a lot of times it's, it's a time issue that they have. And, you know, because, so, so I work with quite a number of CMOs, right. And they're, they're really busy people, even CEOs. Right. So they generally don't, they don't have the time and they really want to focus on what their role and responsibility is. However, what I educate them on is, this is part of your role and responsibility because you're a leader in an organization, right? So, right. so it, it needs to kind of, it needs to be that. Um, and let somebody else run the report and you focus on being the figurehead kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's, and at the end of the day, it's only going to benefit them, you know, because, yeah. because, because I, I've worked with many clients where they resist that or they don't have the right person. And, Many times it's just, I mean, I just thinking of all the training, trainings that I've delivered and many times it's just about it, about the fact that it actually comes more naturally than organizations might think. So for example, I had this client last year up in Boston, which is where I'm from. That's a plug for Boston because I'm a big fan. But anyway, so, um, so they, so they do HR outsourcing, um, they, and they sell B2B. Um, and so anyway, so I was training, you know, this sales and marketing group on advanced LinkedIn sales techniques, which I've done a million times over. And, and I, I was trying to hone in on the fact that they need to decide who it is. It's kind of carry the ball forward. And it was just this one sales guy who I start to kind of get in, in deep with in terms of 
you know, how does he work with clients and what does he do in the local Boston area, right? Like what conferences right. is, he, is he involved with? What industry sector is he in the case of this organization, right? He was in charge of the financial services sector client base, right, in Boston. So, you know, how can he become a figure without it detracting, right, from the organization, without it, right. like I think you were alluding to, singling him out so that he could then take this and run somewhere else. So, right. if he becomes the product, then if the company's not really investing in the company, they're investing in in that individual, and it's you know the ROI is possibly for a competitor, or you know once they create this this thought leader, now the person has all this leverage to go you know find a better deal somewhere to to bring their talents elsewhere. Yeah, so I guess I mean when you're looking to be a thought leader, is it something that typically individuals say, hey, I'd like to become a thought leader in this space? Or do you see more often that it's companies saying like, okay, we need a thought leader in house. Who's it going to be? Yeah. I, you know what? It's generally, it generally comes from the individual. I'm just thinking of the, all the clients. I would say it's more from the individual than the company. So when I get, when I get phone calls, right? Like for the last few years, I've, had, I've been very honored to be able to work with Roach Diagnostics as a client and I haven't been working with the company like the company didn't call me and say, hey, you know what? We have this company wide initiative. I mean, they have so much going on. They're a humongous company. But the individual executives called me and said, hey, someone saw you speak, you know, about personal branding for executives. Can we work with you individually? And it's turned into this mountain of clients that are all individuals. But what they're looking to do is they not necessarily looking to leave the company. They're looking to raise their salary at their company. They're looking to get on boards. They're looking to go to their HR teams and their corporate communication teams and say, hey, you know what? This leadership stuff is really important for our company because at the tail end of the day, what is it going to do, right? It will raise the stock value of a public company. It will get them more company wins on RFPs. I mean, there's just tremendous value. But usually the initiative, at least for me, has been an individual of a company calls and says, hey, you know what, this thought leadership stuff, how can it help my company? And so what that looks like a lot of times, especially with law firms that I've worked with, it's not about one partner. It's about all their partners. It's about associates and associates and partners and and them actually becoming thought leaders within their individual practice areas. And that's really important if any, for who's ever on here that's in B2B, that's where the, most of the wins are for you to become a thought leader in an individual practice area, because that's where you can really commit to something and build a differentiator. And then I guess if companies are looking for a thought leader, they're not necessarily going to say, let's grow one. They're just going to buy one. And so once you become one, they're going to look to buy you, <laughs> which is why they probably don't want to grow one because somebody's going to buy it out from under them. Yeah, potentially. I just haven't, I mean, I really haven't run into that, at least in my, in my work so much. It's usually the development of internal thought leaders. Um, and in the case of influencers, which would be a little bit different and subject matter experts of which, you know, we bring them in when we need to for our clients, we're usually, um, that's something that we're it's part of a marketing program, right? So if they if they if they want to bring in someone else to carry their message forward, 
that's a matter that's just a matter of bringing in a related influence or subject subject matter expert to provide content and be a part of a campaign. So that's my experience, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to hire a spokesperson, not kind of create one from from whole cloth. Yeah. Um, but if people want to become this, that's that's kind of their their initiative to to make it happen for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would hope, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the conversations I have with larger B two B companies um, is is something that I think, not I think, but I know, will just become more relevant you know, probably in 2019, if I was like thinking about trends and that is definitely around advocacy, right? So, so that the point of that is that if they don't start to think about, like you were talking about, you know, instead of buying that spokesperson, grooming and growing the thought leaders, if they don't do that and they don't do it in the right way, what's going to happen is and I've seen it with my clients that there becomes like this division, especially when you talk about like a millennial workforce between the employees right. and the leaders, because the leader's job is to be a, their job are, are really to be role models. Right. And so if they are positioned as a thought leader, part, part of that job is to be a role model for the employees and that all of this can only benefit a company. So believe me, I have these Would conversations you recommend- all the time. <laughs> Big, big companies, would you recommend they start like a, a thought leadership farm league within their company? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I've been really trying to hit home with with Virtue Diagnostics because, but you know, it's a multi-billion dollar company out of Switzerland with that's actually restructured a couple of times since I started working with them. So to, to make that happen, it just requires a lot of time and commitment um, from different leaders within the organization. But how that, what that looks like that I would recommend is something as simple that I've seen with my clients, whether it's Roach Diagnostics or Johnson & Johnson or Intercall Corporation or whomever, is to do something that's program-driven, right? So um, the reason I started working with Roach, which might be interesting, is because they're, two of their leaders within diversity and inclusion came to me. And that's a program, right? That's a program that they really actually do a, one of the best jobs I've ever seen as a company, really investing in building leadership around diversity and inclusion, both on the male and male and female side are both involved with moving that program forward. Right. Um, so it's anyways, it's about, a, you know, in that case, it's about a specific program that they already have as a company. You see what I mean? So, yeah. so it's developing leaders around that platform and then, a lot of the content that spills out when we do social branding is content that's derived from what they did in that program, right? With the leaders mm-hmm. behind the scenes that are the thought leaders within the organization. Awesome. And then I guess it comes around to social media. I mean, why is, why is social media the place to, to do this kind of stuff? Well, number one is that um, this is where you build a community and an audience these days. And I'm not talking so much about selling because we could do a whole nother podcast on social selling, but around branding, um, it, it really is a place where the individuals can create their own brand and create a following and an audience. I mean, I see it happen with my clients every second, you know, uh, if they're doing, if they are putting out the content that is directly related to their brand and what the needs are of the, the audience, uh, and if they're also 
aware of content that's out there that's relevant to their audience, which is not original content. So maybe it's third party, you know, industry content. If they're doing a good job of that, what happens naturally is that they're continuing to build their own influence and their own audience. Um, yeah, I guess back to what you said in the beginning, it's a, you know, they're the hub and then you have all, all the, all the spokes right. and that's what these platforms are I mean, designed it's really, it's for it's community. Really like dis- Somebody's got to be Right. It's a distribution point. So a, a perfect example is, you know, my agency, we part, we've partnered with many agencies. Like I'm a big believer in partnerships. And um, so, you know, a lot of times agencies will just design something or maybe they'll create a campaign, but without the distribution of that campaign or that content, it can't go anywhere and it can't live, you know, and it can't create impact. Um, so luckily social media has grown up a lot, you know, I mean, all the platforms are so sophisticated, right? right? So, and I guess it was almost a trick question, but the reason why I asked the question was, it was a, it was a no duh of, you know, why social media for developing this. And it's because, you know, that's where, that's what social media is designed for is for forming these kind of communities. And it also helps that it's, you know, the democratization of being able to do this. Anybody can go and start, start a community. If you have something valuable to say, you know, you can, you can start to, to turn yourself into a hub for, uh, for, for that particular area. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry to, to throw that at you no, and, and kind fine. of something I, I was uh, expecting you to come back with, <laughs> but you nailed it. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no problem. You said I could ramble, right? So excuse me for. <laughs> oh yeah. Ram, ramble on. Um, so thought leadership, social media, we've kind of, uh, wrapped it all together now. Now uh, let's kind of, let's get into the meat of it a little bit for here before we, uh, before we take a break, give people, uh, somewhat of a teaser or a teaser on this, um, becoming a B2B thought leader, mm-hmm. uh, obviously social media, we're thinking about LinkedIn, uh, primarily, I'm sure the other platforms come into play yes. quite a bit as yeah. well. Um, do you have a general outline for people that come to you and just say, Hey, I want to be a thought leader in this area. Uh, what do I oh, do? Yeah. Um, like how do, how do people get started? What's the first steps? So um, one, do you need a specific kind of person? Yes. Or? Excellent question. <laughs> I love that question, Sky. So I look to work with specific types of people in terms of like the one-on-one work, you know? Um, anyway, because they need to be what I found the the commonalities across any individual clients that I work with that, succeed are these things. One, they have to be driven. I mean, it's a no brainer, but it's important. Uh, Two, they have to really be committed to doing this because unfortunately it's not done overnight unless you write some pop song that some label picks up. I'm joking, but I'm also serious, right? (laughs) Right. I'm also a singer. So I I always make music. Well, you have the, you have the uh, (laughs) consumer side with like the Kardashians and stuff like that. They're thought leaders. Oh, they can, they get paid yeah. to show up at a club and just sit there and, and, and whatnot because, right. but yeah, that, that kind of a flash of consumer attention, a little bit different in Correct. B2B. I think what you were saying in the beginning, what, what drives a lot of us to B2B is you have to actually be good at it. So it's kind of a, a higher bar yeah. and, uh, than, than the consumer side where you can just throw some. Yeah. Hail and so the individual clients that I've worked with across all of them, they all have something specific that they want to do. Right. So they're all different. And I'll just give you some examples. So I've worked with I'm just thinking. So if I break them out right into segments, um, one type of client I always tend to work with are are um, B2B folks that are looking for investors for something. 
um, or buy into something and they need to build a brand. So they want to build their they value want, by building the brand around They want to build their value, but they also want to make sure that when somebody Googles them, right? Because, you know, I'm an, I also do SEO, but, but that is not important. What's yeah. important is when somebody Googles them or they look them up on LinkedIn or wh- wherever they're going to find them, that that presence, right, is of the highest value and it's current and it aligns with what that individual or company might be investing in, right? So purely that's very important as far as a goal. The second goal I would say that um, where people really succeed and I would say the majority of the clients I work with are looking to become speakers. Now, whether that's a, so there's two reasons for that. So one is they wanna become a speaker because they want to drive visibility and audience around their business or the company that they work for, or their organization or their unit or something like that. Um, and then secondarily, mm-hmm. and this is much more work on our end, um, is we get them out there as paid speakers, right? So, and this is a, a lot of folks because, you know, they've done their time, like maybe they've worked for a number of years and you know what, now they want to get paid for their value as speakers. So um, right. that's another one. And then um, similarly, I would say that uh, the thought leaders that I've worked with, whether individually or the training, you know, um, as thought leaders, they want to have something published. Now, whether that's a report, a number of reports, a book, a group of books, maybe they want to start a podcast, you know, that they have some, it's something specific that they, that they know they want to do because it has value. Right. Um, So, so these are the more of the senior level folks. Right. Um, So if they have that, they, they are a good fit for this to become thought leaders because they're driven, they have a commitment, they have a knowledge base, like you mentioned, right? And they have specific goals. Um, and gen- right. So I guess, yeah, the specific goals, I guess the people I was going to ask you uh, what people fail, and then uh, I'll throw it out there and you just tell me if I'm, uh, tell me how wrong I am. But it seems like the people who just want to do it because it sounds cool yeah, would would be a, a big well, failure. Well, let me, let me just, I'm going to answer that. I want to address that, but I just want to tag on to what I was saying. Just, just cause I don't know who's listening. So the other people that are actually very important that I haven't mentioned are the people that maybe they don't have yet. Like most of my individual clients, right? They generally have, I'm talking about the ones that, you know, we really build and get out there. They generally have at least 10 years of experience, maybe 15. Right. But the more junior people right. underneath that, like, so let's say you're a marketing manager, or even a marketing coordinator or a marketing director, a VP of marketing, right? But maybe you don't have years and years of experience. Maybe you haven't written reports and do, done all of that, but you want to, again, it's about personal branding is all about increasing your value, right? So and thought leadership. Mm-hmm. So maybe they want to build, which I do quite a bit, which is building up your value to be able to go from, let's say, I don't know, I, I, it depends on where you live, right? I live in New York, so everything is ridiculously expensive. But let's say you want to go from, $80,000 a year to $100,000 a year within your own company. So I've, I've seen that work just as well for those type of individuals that really want to build their brand and do something so they can either go back to their boss and say, hey, you know what? I did this within this time frame, like launched a program internally or got employees rallied around something or helped to work with my sales team, right, to grow more sales, something that they want to make happen and it can happen through the branding exercise and through thought leadership. That's another audience I really don't want to dismiss because they're kind of equally important. Um, 
Right. And I guess they would say, I did all this and I have this many more Twitter followers now. Are you this kidding many, me? Uh, you know, I, I have this Absolutely. community on LinkedIn that uh, that I created that has this many people in it Absolutely. and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I've heard uh, on the consumer side, but I've heard nowadays when they when they bring on actors for movies and stuff like that, one of the big things they consider is how many social media followers yeah. do they have? Sure. And they'll bring people on like, why are, why are these celebrities doing these voiceovers? And they're like, yeah, we could have one guy do all the voices, but he doesn't have all the Twitter followers and he can't push all the people and make it a success. Like, oh, wow, they're not even buying the acting skills. They're just buying yeah. the followers. Don't tell that to my acting friends. So <laughs> I have, I'm very involved <laughs> just tell them to get in some Twitter, Twitter followers. music world. So I don't think they'd be happy, but no, it's true. I mean, anything, you know, we're talking about marketing. We're talking about branding and thought leadership, but at the end of the day, anything you want to, sell these days, you know, you have to have influence. And if that influence is around a volume of number on a social platform, or if the influence is how many people sit and listen to you at a conference, you have to have some type of influence, right? Um, at the end of the day. But I wanted to- Right. You got to move. You can't move the needle. It doesn't really yeah, matter. So but I just wanted to address your point before that you asked me, which is around people that fail at this exercise. And- um, so becoming a, a kind of true thought leader is not an inexpensive proposition, right? So if you're not willing to invest time and money into it, whether it's with my company or it's an internal program that's run by somebody else, whatever, that generally fails because it unfortunately it takes time and money. And then I would say, secondly, a really important point is um, failure happens on this and I'm just thinking of some clients that I've worked with in the past because they weren't focused. And I, so I, you know, as somebody in my world, um, you know, I try to educate myself as much as possible through podcasts and reading and write books and things like that. But my number one book of all time is a book called Focus. And it's one of the, it's the, the initial exercise I go through with my individual clients. The first thing I do is sit them down to um, understand what their specific focus is, because if you have more than one focus and you're trying to invest in multiple areas of focus, it doesn't work. So I would say that that is really important to understand for anyone that wants to become a thought leader. So focus as a book recommendation, whatever I hear. Oh yeah. I'll send it to you. Mine is all ripped up and has, um, I'm trying to see, wait, hold on. Actually, hang on. I have it right here in my little library. Okay. So sorry. I had to, I had, I had to turn around. No, you don't understand how old this book is. I have it in front of me and it's all, no, this is the best <laughs> book I've ever read. So I have literally highlights. If I could t- take a picture, you would laugh about the things I wrote in this book, but it's called, it's, it's by Jack Canfield. And I don't even know how old this book is, but it, this book has really helped my career over the years. I always refer to it. It's an old book. It's called the power of focus and how to hit your business, personal, and financial targets with absolute certainty. It's my favorite book. And this book takes you through exercises. And what I've found with most of my clients, as you can imagine, um, leaders, especially you know, people that tend to be entrepreneurs, they generally are more type A. <laughs> so, so focus is really important for them. And that's why. Yeah, a bit yeah I was trying to be nice I about I it. Say. So. <laughs> they tend to jump everywhere. I've, hey, maybe that means I, I, there's a hope for me yet, but uh, people are always telling me that I got to focus and stop I'll jumping around book. so much. Yeah, Excellent. I will definitely read it. Um, 
I think that's a good spot to lead off for the first half here. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and dig in with a lot more of the nuts and bolts of this um, social media thought leadership and, and building that uh, for yourself, for the listeners. Hi, this is Daniel Voss from GoToWebinar. I'm the chief webinar wrangler here at GoToWebinar, where we're the largest webinar platform in the world with more than 50,000 customers and 60 million people attending webinars on the platform every year. If you want to come check out GoToWebinar, go to gotowebinar.com and take out one of our free trials and give the product a spin. All right, we're back from the break. This is uh, Sky Cassidy, your host for the If You Market podcast. I have uh, Jasmine Sandler here with me, the founder and CEO of JS Media and Agency Online Marketing. We're talking about social media thought leadership. Uh, Jasmine, right before the break, we uh, I distracted you a little bit. We were talking about kind of the characteristics needed. You mentioned driven. You mentioned committed. We got in a little bit into the uh, being focused on a specific subject matter. You want to pick things up there. I've, also, I've got focused and passion down here. Can you speak to those two kind of characteristics? Absolutely. So like I said, I mean, we were talking about how to almost ensure your success in this area. So having a focus and an absolute passion around the subject matter where you have practical experience and you also have a good knowledge base is is extremely important because Without those two things, um, either you're not going to come off as authentic, which to me is a major keyword when we talk about thought leadership, or you're going to really not be able to deliver on the commitment <clears throat> if you don't have the knowledge base. Right. Constantly putting your foot in your mouth, trying to be a Star Wars expert when you never watch the movies. I am not a Star Wars expert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't speaking of you. No, Just I know the, I'm uh, joking. <laughs> right, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, know the subject matter first. You mentioned having 10 to 15 years of experience. Uh, You can't expect yourself to come in and be a leader on day one and know the materials. So I guess have that down first, Um, you know, then be driven, committed and, um, uh, you know, focused uh, on that. And then the passion part, I guess you'd mentioned you have to really stick with this and believe in it and want to do it over the long term. Yeah, like I like I was mentioning too, you know, and honestly, I didn't bring this up and I'll make it fast. So when I was I always tell people this because people ask, well, how did you get in this career? You know, and I, I say it, it really goes back to when I was six. When I was six, I clearly remember watching a commercial and saying and just thinking to myself, like, that's what I want to do. And I think what in my head, what I was saying is I love branding and I'm still in this branding space. So it's something that I really do like promoting others. I like, you know, um, creatively designing what that's going to look like. And so, you know, you got to think about what it is that you really, you really do have a passion around and you really have expertise and you can't, you could stand up in front of a room because I always get this every time I do a keynote, there's always one guy, right? (laughs) Who wants to bash you. It's like everywhere, every, every time. So you got to be a hundred percent confident that if you got in a room and you had somebody in the back room whose intention was to get you out of that room, that you'd be able to be a hundred percent confident. So, right. That's something I can't stress enough, actually. <laughs> there's there's nothing worse than a B2B heckler. <laughs> there's so many of them. I don't know who puts them there. But. Yeah. <laughs> I think these are the people who wish they were thought leaders, want to be thought leaders, and they want to tear you down when you're when you're up in front of it. It's not you know? nice. Not nice. They want to they want to school you on what you should have done instead of what you're doing. Right. How funny is that? <laughs> don't be that guy or girl, people. That's right. I'll just say that guy. We'll give the girls a pass on this one. You're nice, yeah. <laughs> um 
I think it's usually guys. It takes a certain kind of ego to uh, to, to be that person. It is generally guys. That's true. Uh, so, <laughs> so moving on, what does it mean to be a to be a thought leader? Well, number one, it means you're committed to educate and serve others, and le- and so what that means is you are committed to telling it like it is and really helping to support your community, right? So you have to stay on top of things that are going on in your industry. I mean, that's extremely important. And but you also have to determine what that is, right? So is it my job to know every single tweet that Facebook is doing? No. <laughs> is it? But is it my job to understand what pitfalls a marketer needs to avoid when it comes to putting themselves out there in social media or what to say or not to say when they get on stage. Yeah, that's my job. Right. And I need to deliver that. And, um, and I need to deliver that in a consistent ongoing way um, based on what the needs are of my audience. So it means that you're, like I said, number one is, is about education. Numerally. You have to have the content, the internal content within the specific subject matter. Yeah. You have to have the, you have to have the content, but you also have to know how to educate others, right? So, I mean, for me, I look at people, I generally bring up, you know, some examples, but I would say like people that say Richard Branson to me is a good example, right? Because so, although he's not B2B, it's just a good example of this, right? So he's, he's a brand, yeah. He, not only is a brand, what I was going to say is actually that he's an innovator. And so he's a, he's a risk taker, but usually risk takers are innovators. And to me, I've actually seen him talk a number of times. And so what I get from him is he's an innovator, right? And so when you, when he, like I was actually reading something he put out yesterday on, um, which I'm a big, I'm very passionate about saving the, you know, the ocean, right? When I see plastic in the ocean, uh-huh. I want to kill somebody. So, um, so he was talking about, sustainability and about things that um, companies are doing to, you know, like, like his company, right? So what they're doing now is they're getting rid of all the plastic straws on uh, the air, their airline. Like it's just a simple example, right? You, you know what I mean? But he's talking about what they're doing, but then he's educating people on the importance of ocean conservation and like what's going on in that industry and how he's giving money and what you can do. And, you know, like different organizations that are involved and what can you do in your community? Right. So, he's, he's passionate about that. He's an innovator and he's educating his audience who actually cares about that. Right. Um, so I think that that's, you know, just that's kind of number, number one is to, to, to be a thought leader is to educate in the right way where you, where you have influence. Number two, if you want to really be the social brand thought leader, uh, and I use this word quite a bit, is you really need to be real. <laughs> so authentic. I have, um, I have a gentleman that's going to be a speaker at a conference I have coming up, and he has, a, he has a show called Real Talk. And I love it because that's what it's, it's about being real. Um, so you need to be authentic. Like you were talking about several times, you can't just come up and say, I'm going to be a brand when you don't have, you don't have your creds, right? <laughs> Um, you don't yeah. have the knowledge, you don't have the experience, you don't have the audience, you haven't failed 10 million times, which I could talk about for hours, right? Because so the whole thing where the committed, the driven, that it takes time and energy yeah. to really grow on people and for them to see you as this, if you're going to try to fake it, it's going to get sniffed out during that process and it's going to be a waste of time, basically. That's right. I mean, well, 
maybe the people that get faked out easily, <laughs> you'll win over. Right. But the people that you, you really want to influence won't. So if you want to fake it, go to the B2C side. We don't have time for it here. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're funny. But um, yeah, so I think, so when, if you really, being a social brand and, and a thought leader as a social brand in whatever industry you're in, you have to you have to commit to education, and therefore you have to be smart and you have to know what's going on. Now, I am not the person to tell you, you need to read read a million books. I, I am not that person, right? And I'm also not the person that says, I mean, this podcast is amazing, but you have to listen to a million podcasts either. I am I am a little bit different. I'm a little bit more old school. I get most of my knowledge. And most of my passion for what I do in actually talking to others in my industry. So right. I think that that's something that people miss out on quite a bit. Um, so you can have those conversations in social media. You can learn from others in social media, but also it's equally as important to take it offline. So the conferences that you attend, the networking events, the associations that you're involved with, these are perfect breeding grounds for learning, right? And knowing what's going on. Um, so the more that you're actually involved with your community and your industry and having conversations and connecting with people, this really can help you to, to become a thought leader because you know what the people want, right? It's almost like it's almost like becoming a politician in a way. You have to know what the people want, right? And you know you need to understand the topics that are important and you need to know where it is that you're gonna have the win, right? As a as a thought yeah. leader. So I think it dawns is- on me. I wrote something down here yeah. and I, I just wrote down the return is your passion. It seems part of the authentic in the passion part and the, the line to success in this is that you can't be just thinking, oh, I want to do this because it's it's not an ROI thing. If you look at it and say, yeah. I'm not going to get a return on this. I, I can't spend uh, 10,000 hours on uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not going to get a return on that. Well, then you're your, your return has to be the interaction with people. It's like saying, I'm not going to go to this party because I don't see the uh, profit at the end of it. Uh, kind of it's, if you're not enjoying it and doing it because you enjoy it, it seems like it's going to be very difficult. You don't enjoy the subject matter to put in the time and energy because the ROI is likely never going to be there outside of your personal enjoyment. Well, it's true. I can, I I will tell you something. I love that you say that because (laughs) Because it is, I mean, I'm the person to talk about putting in a lot of time and energy and maybe not, I mean, I'm talking about my own, not my clients, but my own projects, my own businesses, right? So this is my third business I've owned, right? So I get it. And um, so you got to be able to, the only way you can keep going is you have to have the passion. You're not going to keep going if you hate, and this goes for anything, right? If you hate what you're doing. So um and, and if you are only focused on the dollar sign and you're not hitting that dollar sign in a time, even if it's a reasonable conservative time frame, you're going to probably exit if that's your only goal. Um, and I've he- seen it happen so many times, I can't even count it. Um, but I was going to say about a quickly about a conversation I had with, because as a keynote speaker, I know a lot of speakers and I also help speakers. So a few years ago, I sat down with a gentleman I really respect. Um, who's an author, he's a speaker, he runs a few companies. And we were talking about the business of speaking. And I said to Mm -hmm. him, I said, you know, and he speaks quite a bit globally. And I asked him how much he made as a speaker. And it's a side thing for him and what other speakers should expect. And he said, well, you know, uh, I'm netting maybe 60, $100,000 a year just for the speaking. I don't know if I would, and he said to me, I don't know if I would tell anybody just to go out and be there to be a speaker because you know, I just do it. 
And I, and I was like, well, that's good information. Yeah. However, people that really like me and I love speaking, I, I really enjoy it. And I really love actually having an impact. If, if all this presentations and speeches and trainings that I've done or the ones that I'm going to do have been only about money, I would have done just a few. Right. So it just yep. doesn't equate, you know, and so whatever it is you decide, if you say, yeah, you know what? People have told me I'm a great speaker. And furthermore, I have something to say that's really important. Then you'll, you will do that and good things will happen. Right. So it's, you got to kind of like pick your path. I feel like, uh, it's like being a comedian almost. If you're not willing to go out on stage for nothing to get the ball rolling for a long time, you're never going to build the audience, the skills, what it takes and you'll, you'll burn out. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you don't enjoy the lifestyle. So what about, I mean, when I said, you know, what does it take to be a, a, um, a thought leader kind of, or what is a thought leader? What about the, what is part of, okay, if you're, if you're doing this stuff, if you have the knowledge, but just straight up followers, I mean, is there a secret society that comes and gives you a medallion <laughs> when you get to a certain point and says you are now a thought leader or how does somebody know if they, if they have this, yeah, this badge well, that's interesting. Kind of? So I say it's interesting because I can answer this in so many ways, um, but I'm going to tell you what's important and then I'll give you some other information. But what's important, I want to go back to the goal because for me, I mean, I'm a business owner and for my clients and for my audiences, they're in marketing, which ties into sales. At the end of the day, you have to move the needle somewhere and you have to have some type of result. So that result starts with that goal, right? So I talked about goals. So... You could have, I mean, believe me, I know people that have millions and millions and millions of followers that are still working 24 seven, right. right? So um, the number of followers is not as important as you hitting those goals, right? So the goal, let's say your goal is to get a couple of investors and you grow your audience to a certain size and you start getting some pickup and get some investors. Then you've, you've met your objective, right? If your goal is to become an influencer, that's going to get, and you can, there's lots of companies out there that pay actually B2B influencers. Um, and I personally am friends with a few of them, right? I myself is, am an influencer in a certain category. That's how we found you. I, we were, you know, on LinkedIn, you popped up for who knows what. We're always in the B2B space and, yeah. <laughs> oh, let's get this person on the podcast. She knows her stuff. This is a great subject matter. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends. Again, it goes back to what your goals are. So, you know, you could get a verified badge on Twitter or you could get, you can't get a LinkedIn influencer badge because they only do that. They, they only do that for 500 thought leaders a year. And the list is really slim. And right now they're not even doing it. So I would say just that you don't even go there. So LinkedIn is a secret society. They'll just show up at your door one day. Yes. They've given me, they've given me awards, right? But they haven't given me what I, what I thought I wanted, but I don't even want it anymore because what I want is I want to hit to my goals. And that's what I would say to everyone that's listening, you know, with the lawyers that I work with, right? So what are their goals to become a thought leader, right? So they want to get out there and when they do their next workshop, they want more butts in the seats that are the right people right. in the room, right? They want to win the next contract, you know, these are the types of people that I work with. They're not usually the people that want to get a million followers, which is fine. And we do that work, 
But really, if you're in B2B and you're in marketing, generally what you're looking to do is you're looking to get more leads. <laughs> you're getting, you're looking to get more impressions. And I think most importantly, those leads, impressions, or whatever you even want to call it, they need to be qualified. So you know, I think you know you're a thought leader when you when the people around you, like they always say, right? I call it your social ecosystem, right? Um, but when the people around you are the people that have influence and they're qualified people that can get you and your brand to the next level, whether that means they're going to introduce you to your next sale, whether they are going to help you to earn a higher salary, whether they are, with, which is a lot of my clients, getting you on a board position that you want. Um, that's when you know that you're in the right, you're in the right space for where you want to go with your career. Right. So basically when you start seeing it drive conversions, you're not just followers, but actually yeah. creating something, something of value. You can say, Hey, I think I might've, uh, I think I might've got there to an extent. Yeah. And then I think the other, the other, I know this is, might be small, but it's actually weirdly important. I've had people come up to me on the subway in the street. And these are like students of universities. I don't do keynotes, you know what I mean? Or they're people that have seen me at a workshop or have referred them to a job or whatever and come up to me and said, Oh, you know, thank you so much. Or I heard you here. Or I, you know, somebody referred me to you or something. And that's where I smile. And I say like, Oh, well, I've had an impact, you know, and that to me is that is thought leadership. It's just about, it's about having impact. It's about helping others. And if you think that way, you actually are just much more successful anyway. I guess if you write a book and you can move them, I saw Anne Hanley at an event and yeah. it was just like, what's this giant line for? Oh, she has a book and these people are just signing up yeah. to get her to, to, to buy the book and get her to get her to sign it because she has developed such a following and such a thought leadership in the, in, in the space. Um, so when it comes to, when you're looking, somebody's looking to build this um, niche versus general, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts there? somebody wants to, you know, in any particular area, how niche should they look to go? I guess I'd say. Oh, I'll just give you a quick example. Uh, so my, cl- one of my favorite clients, I'm going to plug her because I love her. <laughs> and uh, anyway, <laughs> so no, she's the best. And she's going to be a speaker at my conference coming up. So her name is Rachel Braun Cheryl. And she, um, she helped raise uh, something like $5 million for a and I can say it now, but when I first started working with her, I couldn't even talk about it, but a female sexual health product many years ago. And um, so she um, has since developed a consultancy and she consults for many companies in the healthcare space, particularly in female health, um, around growing products in that space and helping products sell more when they're kind of falling off the shelves, that type of thing. Um, and mm-hmm. she came to me because she said, like me, I want to really have impact out there. And she also wants to become, she wants to become a paid speaker, right? So since I've been working with her for kind of many years now, um, you know, I've gotten her to speak all over the country. We ghost wrote and published her book. She's doing a book signing tour actually, as we speak, she's doing a lot. But the point is, is that she has created honestly a hardcore loyal, loyal, loyal audience and fan base um, where she now presents as a paid speaker um, where people buy her books. I mean, I was at her book signing at Barnes and Noble last week, um, all around female sexual health and how niche is that? Right. Um, and she's 
she's super, she's super intelligent. She's amazing, but she's kind of leading a revolution around helping entrepreneurs in that space, understand how they can raise money, how they can build businesses, what they need to do. Like, you know, and she's really owning it. Oh, I was thinking when you said how niche is that? I was thinking, well, on the consumer side, it's over half the world. That's a, you know, 3 billion plus people. But I guess on the, uh, on the B2B side, yeah, you're getting pretty niche in. Uh... Right. And my, my point is, you know, generally it is much more about, first of all, it's about the person and, and, and it's about the niche that they own. So another example I would give you is a senior level executive that's been my client for quite a while, like major, major company. And, you know, his goals were to get on more boards and to raise his position at this company. Um, and so, you know, his thought leadership really had to do more with his, his skill set and how he built teams and how he drove profitability. And he's a senior level marketer, right? Rather than the fact that he's developed business units for several different services and products, right? So we didn't really focus on the service or product. It was more about his skill set. Um, but either way, it's about the focus around that person and what do they want to own? So I would say, you know, when I do my keynote, I talk about this niche and the niche is actually very important. There's a whole exercise on it. Yeah. So the, the phrase that I wrote down, I think you basically um, said there was the niche is just niche enough to own it as, as, uh, as niche as you can get, or as general as you can get, as long as it's focused enough that you can own that space kind of as a, as a name. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, can you give some, some examples of some of these? I mean, you've thrown some out there already, but can you give some, some specifics on, and you know, people who've, had success through through thought leadership, becoming thought leaders, whether it's an individual person success or a product success, or whatnot. Yeah, sure. So I'm just I, I don't know if I should be giving you big names or m more importantly, I can just give you from my client base. Um, yeah, whatever so, you want that's not covered by an NDA, I guess I'd say. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's just you know I'm not going to give you big names like Richard Branson and I've never worked with. You know, I'd rather talk to you about. You didn't have to say that part. Then everybody just think you work with them. Uh, it doesn't. They're not going to believe me. <laughs> Anyways, I'm authentic. So, um, so no. So I would say that um, I'm going to give you some stories of clients because that's where I, you know, I've been involved. So uh, there's a company called Interactive Edge, and they provide um, custom ready presentation software for CP. They're B two B, but they they provide this um, this presentation software for CPG manufacturers that want to sell into grocery stores, right? So basically uh -huh. what they're, they're taking like this massive, you know, when you go shopping, right? So you check out and they're collecting all your data, right? So what'd you buy? How much did it cost? Blah, 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 right? So all of that data, which is Arbitron driven, it's, it's massive, right? And so what they do is they take that big data and they, you know, kind of distill it down to presentation ready data that says to, I don't know where, wherever you live, like Kroger's or I don't know, Publix, it doesn't matter. They, um, when I started working with them, they were like a $3 million business. So a small company, right? And so they take this present, you know, this, this software and they, they create presentations that, that they can give to companies that sell their, you know, their products in these stores. So, um, so they came to me because they, they're a small company and they're, nothing was working. I can just put it to you that way. Their digital marketing, right. their digital marketing wasn't working. So I did an exhaustive digital marketing strategy. My team, we 
you know, redevelop their website, all their branding, blah, blah, blah. We did all that work. But what really helped them was I helped to position their CEO as a thought leader. And that's so in the course of working with him individually, um, he was I was able to get him on little things that became very important for his company, like get building him, you know, a, a, building him up as a speaker. Right. So doing things like um, doing like a video series with him, writing a you know a proper bio for him, then defining where he should be a speaker in terms of, again, going back to what we we're talking about, delivering his knowledge around the subject. So I got him, you know, on webinars and podcasts related to the industry, a couple of organizations like CPG net, um, which is a, a category net, which is a, a uh, an association that then has a conference and they have a magazine and a few of associations like that. He ended up becoming a speaker. You know, he ended up being a weekly contributor to a blog on one of their websites, you know, so is that type of work. And so because I was able to position him as a thought leader and then obviously develop his social media, particularly around LinkedIn, he was able to then go out there and his value first, he would, you know, he was able to be visible, right. And raise his value to the point where large CPG companies that they traditionally had not been working with, they were able to go out and set up meetings with them. And so in the time that I was working with them, they landed Nestle as a client, you know, a 300. Right. So suddenly they had a recognizable brand that was their CEO. A hundred percent, you know, and that's a true B2B company with a very complex product. And a lot of times companies didn't get it. So instead they were able to listen and see him out there as a thought leader in places where they were. And that's really important right, right. to understand. So the product was kind of this interesting when this was a subject matter on um, on a recent podcast uh, that we did too. And it happened to be that the guy was really focused in CPG area, mm-hmm. but it was on um, marketing boring products and it was create a community separate. And I kind of the thought leadership is that it's creating a community, but around a specific person rather than a product because the product itself is difficult to sell for one reason or another. Um, so I think the thought leadership thing, it sounds like that's an example of this this person, instead of trying to really sell the product, getting in the door with, with the person by building the person up. Yeah. And I mean, with my, with most of my clients, that's pretty much the example, you know, it's, it's, it's been that it's about helping them to understand how they can be a thought leader, whether that means, whether that means they're going to be a speaker at a conference, whether that means Generally, the marketing people, they're hosting a conference and I help them put the plan together and they're bringing in their CMO to speak or whatever. Um, Or it means that they're tying into something and they're attending something, you know, so it's a lot of that. Uh, And then being visible in social. So when it comes to events and conferences, that's about being there, even if you're not there. So tying into the conversations that are happening in Twitter, you know, making friends with um, whether it's other speakers or attendees, these things are, are truly important when you want to become visible as a thought leader. Uh, so I would say, you know, that's kind of a mainstay and it's consistent with every story I could tell you about successful B2B people for sure. Excellent. Now I want to, we're, we're actually, we're running up against the time here. I, I have a lot of things I want to mention. Um, a lot of things you have coming up, uh, but before we finish, uh, I had a note down here. You had some some tips for people to get started in this area. Um, so we've had kind of a lot of talk around the the how and the why and what people need to have. Um, so the tips. One thing before we get into that, um, 
when people are looking to do this, do they generally have what they need internally? Do they, are they experts on the subject matter and can get out there and speak and they just need to be marketed more? Or do you guys do training kind of to punch people up and get them game ready as a thought leader? Yeah. So we do both. So that's why I mentioned um, the clients that I work with individually usually have all of their stuff, so to speak, but it's generally a mess. Sometimes it's not a mess, <laughs> you know, but either way with those folks, it's, it's a matter of, right. we have to pull it all together. Many times you have to polish it. You don't know how many times, like even last week with one of my clients, I had to find a report that, that was published <laughs> about 15 years ago for him. You know what I mean? So there's, yeah. So they have the content. They are experts. It's just, nobody knows it kind of. That's most of them, honestly, on the individual yeah. side. And then, and then the people that want to, that want to start to go down this path, but maybe they don't have it yet. Um, it's a matter of training them, helping them to start to build their own brands, you know? So what do they need to do and what time frame? maybe what's low hanging fruit that they're or either already have done or are planning to do and what do they need to capture? Right. So then that's about, right. so they've got, uh, they've got charisma and a dream and they kind of need to fill in the content a bit more. Yeah, exactly. They have that drive. Yeah. <laughs> So the the actionable tips, people that want to get into this, um, what do you what what can you give them to to get started or deploy them in a direction? Yeah, I would say number one thing is to write down your goals because I usually don't like working with people that don't have any goals. <laughs> so whatever that goal is, you got to have some type of goal because that's really important because that's the only way you're going to hit it, right? Um, so that's that's number one to have some type of goal. And then I have a personal branding checklist also I will offer that's a giveaway and I can send that to whomever. Um, but on that checklist. Okay. Or- yeah, yeah. Give it to us after the show and we'll add it to the show yeah, notes great. So, or uh, a link and we can link through to it however, however we can get it. Yeah, I have a link. So, you know, on that sheet, you find things like defining your goals. Um, and then once you have your goals, it's about what we've been talking about quite a bit is defining your niche or subject matter expertise or knowledge kind of writing that down and sussing that out a little bit in the training that I do for corporations when I'm working with marketing teams, you know, we go through this whole exercise, um, but you could do this on your own, uh, asking colleagues or employers, maybe in your case, where you shine, like what are your top skills, looking at your LinkedIn profile, if you've done it correctly, those should be ordered and ranked in the right way, that type of thing. Um, So having a sense of your skill set having a sense of your goals, your knowledge base, um, then what is kind of like a no brainer for any, what I almost, for me, this is a little bit of business planning. So understanding who your audience is, that's really important. And when it comes to, I know we talk, I talk a lot about social media, but there's also this major offline element of what I do for my clients. And that, and more importantly, that you need to understand. So understanding who your audience is online and offline, direct and indirect. So what that means is you can have more than, there's definitely more than one audience, right? So you can have the people that you're selling to, let's say, the people internally, internal stakeholders, maybe people that you work for or executives. I don't don't know what position you are, but that's important because Uh you need to have influence. The media, hugely important, right? Um, Because thought leaders, when you become a thought leader, you know, you should at some point be impacting or affecting the media. And I'm talking about the industry media. Um, so having a sense of who your audience is, is really very important. And then, and then I would say lastly, cause I don't want to give you too much cause I know we don't have a lot of time, but, um, starting to even just scratching the surface with content, either 
saying, all right, you know what? I have this content already. Now, what does that look like? Listing it, maybe on a, I'm a big spreadsheet person. So putting it on a spreadsheet, maybe just writing it down on a document. What content do I have already that maybe needs to be revised or made evergreen or maybe dynamic or digitized? I don't know what it is and who you are, but a little bit of that yeah. sense of the content. And, and those things are like really just the starting that's the start. That's like more of the checklist, but that is definitely the starting. Right. That's the, so you want to be a uh, thought leader checklist. Yeah. Now you've rebranded it. I like it. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So, uh, rolling down here, is there anything, anything you want to say, uh, before the end of the show you want to get out? I have a handful of things, um, your site, all that kind of stuff, but just about thought leadership in general, any last, uh, thoughts? Uh, thought leadership. Yeah. I, I just firmly believe that, Thought leaders that make a difference, especially these days, are thought leaders that care, you know, like care about the business that they're in, the effect that they're having, you know, not only on the employees, but also the community at large. So that could be partners, that could be vendors, that could be supporting something, like I talked about Richard Branson and ocean conservation. So the community, like, what do you care about, you know? Um, the world is going towards companies that have sustainability in mind. So this is something that's very important for you to think about when you think about thought leadership community. It sounds very rewarding. Listen, it should be at the end of the day. I mean, this is my firm belief, um, because the other thing that I do on the side is I, I run, um, I'm the president of a association here in New York. Um, called the Hockey Players in Business. I play hockey and it's business leaders that play hockey and we do events together and things like that. Now that's niche, the Hockey Players in Business. And anybody that's listening that plays (laughs) hockey, please, I'd love to send you information to get involved. But um, anyway, so that group, um, because I'm president, I have the responsibility, the nice responsibility of being able to connect with ex-pros, you know? And, um, you know, so I've talked to a bunch of them and, the ones that I really like are the ones that tell me, Hey, you know what, Jasmine? Yeah. You know what? I was very lucky to have this career and now I want to give back. And I, I, that's, that's what I, that's what I think a thought leader should be. Someone who really is honored to become a thought leader so much that they want to give back. And it's, it's rewarding, like in every sense. Right. So that's how I think about it. Yeah. I guess the more it's not selfish, the more authentic you're going to be and actually succeed then. A hundred percent. Yes. No. Don't try too hard to be authentic. You've already lost, I guess, at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is true. Trying really hard to be authentic. Uh, yeah. We do a cartoon called Marketing Marvin. We're going to make that the next one, I think. Oh, my uh, God. I love it. He's he's uh, just the world's worst marketing person, makes all the mistakes. He's going to try really hard to be authentic uh, tomorrow. Oh, my I God. Love I love it. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> we'll, we'll include it on this episode. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, that's, that's cool. Uh, okay, so... Um, I guess thank everybody for listening or I should thank everybody for listening. I can't read my notes that, uh, that well. <laughs> um, this is the, if you market podcast, we've got, um, Jasmine Sandler. We've had Jasmine Sandler here with us today. Once again, she's the founder and CEO of uh, JS media and agency online marketing. And, uh, we've been talking all about social media, thought leadership, thought leadership in general. I've got a handful of things, uh, places you can find Jasmine. It's uh, jasminesandler.com. Also agent dash cy.com agency with a dash in there and then um there's a 
has she has books and courses that you can find at uh, courses.jasminesandler.com. And then I think you have a conference coming up, uh, brandyouconference.com. Is that right? Brandyouconference.com? Yes. It's pretty much what I'm working working on 24-7 these days. You, I'm sure, can speak to that much better than I can. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that, that upcoming conference? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I just want to say that the conference is is part of my vision for a tour that I've literally had in my head for years. Um, so I'm fi- I'm just excited to be able to do the first the first event. Um, so the conference is called Brand You because the conference is really really been designed for executives executives in transition whether that's in their company or maybe they're going on to something else whether maybe it's an entrepreneurial you know, venture that they're going on um, and business professionals to really understand what it takes from not just, not just me at all. Um, I'm much more of the MC at this event, but from, from people that have done it to give you the tools and advice to become leaders, to not just brand yourselves, but get out there and support your business, your industry, and your community. So for people who don't just want to be a businessman, but they want to be a business man. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I stole that from a rapper. That's not. Oh, all right. I thought you made it up. (laughs) I loved it. Business man. No, not that clever. I like it. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Um. So yeah. So so uh, on the bill in terms of speakers. So I have Peter Shankman, who maybe some folks know. He runs the Harrow Report. The guy is a genius and and a, a true example of someone that has built major influence through personal branding and thought leadership and community development. Um, I have Tamsin Fadal, who here in New York, she is uh, an anchor for WPIX and she is a thought leader. She runs a whole community segment on the television station. She's coming out with a documentary on reinvention, which is really cool. Um, So she's on the bill. Uh, Rachel Braun Sherrill, who I mentioned, a client of mine, a leader in female sexual health. I just had a book come out called Orgasmic Leadership, which is now a bestseller. So I'm really excited. Uh, Sonia Satra, who name may ring a bell. She was formerly on The Guiding Light and a couple of other soap operas. And she does um, this whole program on exercise and team building in co- companies. And she's really cool. Um, and then Jack Madu, who runs Real Talk Radio. I uh, can't say enough about his influence and impact. Uh, and I'm, I'm the MC, but that's not really important. What's important is, you know, the, the conference has really been designed not just to be like another conference where you come and you just learn and then you walk away. It's really about making something happen. So the style of this conference is Q and a and interview style, which is very different. Um, I have everyone giving away their books and we're providing lunch. We're doing live streaming it's just going to be my hope is that the conference is just going to be great for everyone that's involved, the speakers, the attendees, uh, and all of the partners and uh, nonprofit sponsors that are involved. So that's the conference. excellent. I see that's a one day conference um, taking place in New York. There is that correct? But also uh, also going to be streamed online. Yes. So it's a one day conference. It's being held at the Wells Fargo Connect Center, which is right out, literally outside of Grand Central. And, um, and we're also setting up for live streaming because, you know, we want to have impact everywhere so anyone can get a ticket. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. We'll have this in the show notes, but again, it's brandyouconference.com. 
Uh, I threw out your site, jasminesandler.com. Anybody wants to find you, she can be found on LinkedIn as well very easily. Any other uh, contact info you want to throw out? Um, no, I think through jasminesandler.com, anyone can contact me. I will certainly provide uh, for the show notes. I'll provide a link to the, the personal branding checklist. I'll also give you guys uh, a link to a free uh, personal branding action plan. And then, you know, for anyone that really is interested uh, in booking any time with me, I have a calendaring schedule. So you can just kind of reach out. But, you know, I'd love to help anyone. So awesome. All right. Uh, so for all the listeners, please uh, share the show here, the If You Market podcast on social media. Tell a friend. We love that kind of uh, that kind of exposure. And uh, give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you listen. And then uh, on behalf of uh, Jasmine Sandler and the If You Market team here, thank you for listening. And uh, hey, if you market the shit out of it, they will come. Thank you, Sky, very much. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.